Welcome to another edition of the Kelvin and Evan Show. This time is our off-season preview. We're going to talk about a few things in this episode. Um, one of the things we're going to get into right off the bat is the title odds. And as we know, it seems like L.A. is the center of the basketball universe. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. When you have names like that, and they're all just in one state. And wait, let's not forget about Steph Curry. And even Sacramento has some good young players, you know. De'Aaron Fox. It's California Bagley. Exactly. It seems like California has it on lock. So right now, when we look at the title odds, we have the Clippers at the top. Do you think they should be there? Or do you think there's another team that will surpass them? How do you think that figures out with the Clippers being number one? I think their defense is is obviously the first thing to, yes. to look at. And, you know, having Kawhi and Paul George and Beverly, uh, it you know, you're off to a great start. So locking down all of the guard and wing positions and having multiple options in terms of throwing an elite defensive guy at whoever the top scorer is and really whoever the top three scorers are on the other team. So obviously the Clippers are going to have a a chance. Um, The the thing that I question a little bit is how do they figure out their offensive flow, Um, right? The defense is going to mean that they have a high floor, uh, but their their ceiling and their their championship aspirations are all about can they can they score readily or are they going to go through droughts? You know, if you go back to like some of the great defensive teams, mm-hmm. uh, they often go through you know scoring droughts, and it doesn't hurt them so much um, because the other team doesn't go off uh, you know, big scoring for, runs, but based off their defense. Yeah, obviously. Uh, um, but but I I just feel like it. When you have so many new stars that haven't played together, it, it takes time. If you look at Miami when LeBron and Wade and Bosch started playing together, it, it takes time to integrate all those guys, particularly on the offensive end. So I think the, the Lakers are actually going to have an easier opportunity to integrate more quickly on the offensive end. Uh, if, if you watch what uh, LeBron James is able to do when he drives to the basket, the defense collapses on him. They have to. Um, and this is going to create tremendous opportunities for Anthony Davis on the offensive rebounds. So I think Anthony Davis is going to set career highs in offensive rebounding, and I think he's going to have career highs in field goal percentage because the the putbacks that he gets um, by sort of picking up the slack from whenever LeBron drives um, is going to propel their offensive efficiency to uh, potentially unprecedented levels because it's all going to be around the basket. LeBron's going to put his shoulder into you, and he's going to get a layup. And on the on the off chance that he misses that shot, the defense will be so collapsed that Davis is just going to come flying in and, and get real easy ones, which is to say nothing about um, uh, LeBron just starting to get into the lane and being able to drop it off. And, and get the attention that way. So I think Anthony Davis is going to have tremendous offensive efficiency, not unlike what you saw with Durant and the Warriors, where all of that attention that Curry got uh, meant that Durant's opportunities were much better. I think with all the attention that LeBron gets and all the ability that LeBron has to create, it's going to bring Anthony Davis's efficiency to a, a, an extreme level. Um, so I think their offense is really going to hum and, um, you know, I, I think it's just going to click a lot sooner. One thing that I do give the Clippers 
is that when you look at what they have built before Kawhi and Paul just got there, when you look at the offense and how they were able to score, like I haven't heard anybody really make any peeps about Lou Williams and the fact that he's still in. That's instant yep. offense. So now when you have Kawhi Leonard on the floor with Paul George, all your eyes are going to go to those two plays. And now you have a professional scorer who's going to have opportunities at one-on-one all the time. I think their offense is going to be pretty good because when it breaks down, you have three players that you can give the ball to get their own at shot. any time who can get their own shot. And yeah. Lou Williams is a master at that. Absolutely. So I think one one of the luxuries that the Clippers will have is that they're going to be able to fall back on their defense like we like you spoke about. And the fact that other teams are not going to be able to score. So the pressure is not going to be on them to really create offensively. I think when we look at teams like the Pistons, who they played great defense and they were just efficient and effective on the offensive end. And that's how they won games. And I think that's what the Clippers are going to do. They're going to wear you down defensively. They're going to break you down on the perimeter to the point where you're just not going to be able to score. And then on the other end of the floor, you're just not going to be able to stop them. Like, how are you going to match up with that? You have two of the best perimeter players on offense. Not only that, not not to mention that they play both sides of the ball, but offensively, they can both shoot the, the three. They both can make it from mid-range, and they can create their own shot going to the basket, and they can dish it for other players. So I think that's going to be tremendous. And even when we think about continuity, Kawhi hasn't been in the same situation for two years, going this the third year consecutive now. You look at Paul George, he was in Oklahoma City for two years. So those players are, you've seen that they're okay with being uncomfortable and integrated into new systems. And I think that the fact that they have the basis that their defense is set, that that's going to take them to new heights, but I think, I think the Lakers got the edge, and the one, the reason why I give the Lakers the edge is the fact that LeBron James did not play in the playoffs this year. Yeah, LeBron James was not playing time. meaningful basketball in April. We've seen this man for the last what nine, ten years, consecutively playing deep into the playoffs, making consecutive finals appearances. This man has time off to rest. And people are looking at his advanced age and saying, okay, Father Tom is undefeated. But when we're looking at the great ones, there are always exceptions to the rule. And LeBron is that Tom Brady of the NBA. Exactly. And so we saw him get hurt last year, but he had a little bit more pressure on him to create in L.A. because, you know, they, they, they basically said their timeline is a little bit faster. So what LeBron was trying to do last year was trying to see exactly what they had. Right. And that's the reason why we've seen a trade with Anthony Davis because these pieces – LeBron knew he wasn't going to be able to rely on him. And so now that LeBron has had rest, I, I'm, I pray for the rest of the NBA and that, <laughs> that they can be able to stop this man because LeBron James well-rested with Anthony Davis and then you have other playmakers on that team as well with Rondo. I think that team is going to be, like you said, they're going to be a great offensive team. Defensively, they may have their deficiencies because LeBron hasn't really been the greatest on defense. But, I mean, I like the Lakers. Even though the Clippers have better title odds, I like the Lakers, and that's just off the LeBron James factor. Like, to me, he passed the eye test and everything, and the fact that he has that rest, I, I think the, the Lakers got it. But we, it seems like we're talking about the West, and those were the teams that made the biggest splashes in the offseason. Who do you think from the East is going to be able to contend? I know we have Milwaukee, we have Philadelphia, we have a few other teams. Who, who do you think is going to be there at the end of the year? It, it seems like Philadelphia is, is one of the easier choices. And it's because they've kept enough, um, but they've added enough. Um, so adding Al Horford, I think, creates uh, more of a mature winning culture there. He's a guy who has consistently sacrificed to do what's necessary for the team to win. 
And so uh, even though it might seem a little redundant with so many bigs, um, I, I think he's going to add a lot. And, you know, losing Jimmy Butler, I mean, obviously he was a was an important player for them, and, and uh, he, was he was a guy that they would go to um, uh, down the stretch. But at the same time, I think uh, they, they kind of had too many weapons and too many options. And, you know, he, he to some extent he took the ball away from Ben Simmons, and Ben Simmons was not in the decision-making role as much as he, he wasn't as probably off the ball. Uh, should be. Right, and I, I just think that they probably have a little more balance in terms of talent, um, and and not you know so much overloaded. And I think you know Tobias Harris is a guy who's not a dominant personality, and I think he probably took a big step back uh, in his role. But he's a very efficient scorer. You know, he's he's essentially the same kind of player, um, you know, as a wing, and so I think. I think uh, Philadelphia has a lot going for them. And then, you know, Embiid has finally had the off-season headlines that everybody yes, wants to hear, yes. whether they're real or not. The, uh, you know, at, losing 15 pounds of fat and adding 15 pounds of muscle or whatever. Well, we hear that. We hear that with a lot of Whatever guys, actually like happened. 15 pounds of uh, muscle. Like, we uh, hear that often. I mean. But, but his durability has been an issue. Yes. He, you know, his, his stamina has been an issue. And it was particularly an issue in the playoffs. Uh, where he did gut it out, but you know, from from on any given night, it wasn't clear what you were going to get from him. So, Horford helps in that regard because he he takes some of the defensive burden off, and um, you know, he he again, it's a little redundant, but maybe it's redundant in a good way where it creates a little more balance, and and you don't have to rely on him as readily, and, and maybe it keeps him fresher for longer. So I think. Um, you know Philadelphia. The the other thing that they're doing that's interesting is they're going so big. Yes. In contrast to this era of, of small ball, positionless basketball, um, and maybe you know they'll have great efficiency as they can go inside and readily get a basket. Uh, you know whenever they need to. So I think you know Philly's probably an, an easy choice. Obviously Milwaukee stands out because they still have Giannis, but I think. They've probably taken a step back by losing uh, Malcolm Brogdon, and um, I, I just I don't know that they have enough balance and enough weapons. I, I, I'm not sure that their bigs uh, are so great defensively, and it, 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 it's, it's almost too easy for the defense to sort of uh, force the perimeter shot to come from Giannis, really slack off him, and... You know, I just don't know that they have enough of uh, enough weapons uh, to keep the defenses honest um, when when it really matters. I mean, obviously the East is kind of weak, so Milwaukee's going to win a lot of games. That's not in dispute. That's a given. But given the kind of elite talent that we see out west, um, it's going to take uh, multiple alphas uh, to to combat those teams, and I'm just not sure that there's enough talent around Giannis to make a difference. I like both of these teams that you mentioned, Philadelphia and Milwaukee. One thing that concerns me about both teams is perimeter shooting. Yeah. One thing that I do like with Philadelphia, though, is that they address the fact that Joel Embiid sometimes can get lost on a perimeter on offense, and he, he, he'll fall in love with the perimeter shot. So I think what they did with Al Harford was they got an insurance policy for that to say, okay, well, if you do want to stretch the floor, we'll still have a big there who can offensive rebound who can protect the rim on the other side just in case you have to come out on a pick and roll or other teams try to 
use you in a pick and roll. We still have that insurance policy as our Hartford, so I like that. But the one thing that they did lose was J.J. Redick, who was yeah. a lot of their shooting. Pretty important. But they do have Josh Richardson, who I think is going to be a good secondary playmaker off the perimeter. I'm not saying that it's going to help them as far as shooting-wise, but I think he's going to be able to get them into a flow and get their offense moving when Ben Simmons, when his, he's afraid to take the shot and teams are just slacking on him and forcing him to shoot. You give Josh Richardson the ball, he can create a little bit more. The jump shot is a bit consistent, over 30% from three, if I'm not mistaken. And then you look at Tobias Harris. My question about him was, who would you rather keep? Would you keep Jimmy Butler or would you keep Tobias Harris? And, I mean, from Philly's standpoint, the fact that they were able to keep Tobias Harris, I think that works for them because he's, like you said, he's less of that, not less dominant of an person. alpha, but that dominant personality, like you said, because as you can see, Jimmy Butler, you love his talent, but as a person, I think those personalities, if you're not able to manage that, and you're not able to step outside of yourself and take your ego away from it. Creates with a lack of balance. Who has that much of an ego, it kinda it takes away from the continuity of everyone else. So you can see it, like you said, Ben Simmons, his game would suffer when Jimmy Butler had the ball because he would be an off the ball player, but that's not his strength. Right. You know what I'm saying? So Ben Simmons needs the ball in his hands more. And I think with Tobias Harris being more on the complimentary side mm-hmm. than Jimmy Butler, I think it it works for them well. And like you said, you pointed to their height which is one thing that I like. And it seems like both of these teams, even with Milwaukee, they have a lot of height across the board. Yeah. And they do have some depth, but the shooting does come into question. I think between the two teams, the best shooter is Chris Middleton. Yeah. But the question is, when it comes time for him to create his own shot, when the game slows down, when the game shrinks, can he be able to be that secondary scorer in the way you need him to and not just a perimeter-oriented guy? And, so, and, and similarly, like if you're the defense and you're playing against either one of these teams... Um, you know, if there's one guy on the floor who's not a good perimeter shooter, it makes it pretty easy for the defense to figure out what they need to do. When you have multiple guys who are not good perimeter shooters, I think it makes it that much easier for the defense to take a step off and say, okay, Ben Simmons or, okay, Josh Richardson, you're going to have to beat us from the perimeter. And, you know, with with the increasing importance of the three-pointer, um, if you're not shooting that efficiently on a night-to-night basis, um, I think it's going to make it easier for teams to compete. Um, you know, and it's going to be really interesting to see the clash of styles because they're sort of making a bet on height and um, you know strength, for lack of a better word. Um, and we'll see how it plays out because so, uh, you know the rest of the league still can shoot. But in the seven-game series, if we had to put these two teams up together, we had to match them up. Who do you think comes out on top? I mean, this is one of the matchups that I was actually hoping that we got last year. Yeah. But um, unfortunately, Toronto... I, th- a, I think Philly has more talent. Game. And I think over a seven-game series, you have different guys who step up. Um, you have different guys who, you know, uh, it's a it's the Clay Thompson game in a game six or, or what have you. So the more talented guys you have, the more there is the opportunity for somebody to be the hero on any given night. And in a long series... You need that to happen multiple times. And I think, like I said, losing Brogdon, I think it hurts because it's it's just it's one fewer talented guy. Um, and losing Miritich hurt for them as well. I mean, Another I, shooter. Part of the thesis for, you know, for, for why they would be good is that Miritich could get hot. He could be a, you know, a, a perimeter threat as a big guy. And you know, to, to lose him uh, over the offseason, I think it just you know, it, it removes weapons. And over a seven-game series, you know, 
uh, guys have rough games, um, and, and not everybody plays up to their standards. And so to have more talent is just giving you more opportunities. So I would, I would pick Philly out of these two teams. I'm, I'm there with you. I mean, I give the, the edge of the best player between the two teams. I give it to Giannis. So, yeah. so far, Milwaukee has the best shooter and the best overall player. But I think when, when the game slows down in a seven-game series and, and the, games, the floor starts to shrink, I think that defense is going to loom large, and I would give Philly the slight edge. Especially when you see the same team night after night exactly. after night. And you say, this guy's the weak link, or these two guys are the weak link, and we're going to make these guys beat us. And I think it's going to be harder to do that against Philly um, because I think Josh Richardson will get hot for a game or two. I think he you know, he will be one of the guys that brings it. Even uh, Mike Scott, you know, I feel like... He'll play well, you know, in, in, in a few games. He does. Um, he stretches the floor for you. He plays t- tenacious defense. He's a, he's a, a like, one of those gamer. guys who give you energy. Like, yeah. as they call it, he's a dog. Yeah. Like, you know that he's night in, night out. He's going to give you that effort. Whether or not he's going to make mistakes, which comes along with it. Because when you're that emotionally invested in the game, those emotions run high and, and they get the best of you sometimes. But I think, like, he's one of those players that will contribute to what they're doing. 